0: On this episode of The Failure Report, we examine how Erica Fields distributes ride to the bourbon industry's mega giants while transitioning in her personal life. All righty, guys. Thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of The Failure Report. I am so excited about being able to interview uh, Ms. Erica Fields. I cannot wait to get into this conversation we met um just by orbiting each other and i heard a little bit about um her story and i just knew i had to have her on the show so thank you so much erica for being here with us today i so appreciate it thank you absolutely so we're gonna jump right in um for our listeners and viewers today and i would love to know who is erica fields
1: well um i uh i may uh Slightly older uh, woman who um, actually I've only been in Louisville for about four years. Um, I've been coming here for 40. Uh, I've been in the uh, grain industry since uh, I, I got out of college in the mid 70s, and from '78 until now, I've been supplying the grain rye to the uh, distilling industry. Um, started out working for a, a company that my father, Brooks Fields, had uh, worked for. And, and of course, you know, as kids, we all grew up getting to know a lot of his customers as they would come visit and, and uh, uh, came down to Louisville as a, as a kid with him on, on a couple of his trips. We used to call him the whiskey run. You know, he'd come down here to see his customers. And, and I think in the summer, now that I'm, I'm older and I have my own kids and they're grown, I'm sure my mother had something to do with, take the kids, it's summer, you're taking them on this trip. Right. Yeah, we thought, oh boy, this is a great idea, thanks dad, you know, and um, yeah. we had a lot of fun, and 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 so it's it's an industry that I've been involved in since I was a kid, um, and then when I got out of school, I, I started working with my dad, he retired, and I kept uh, the, the business going uh, for Uh, a number of years at at that company, uh, which had been bought by a large multinational. And so as their focuses changed and grew, uh, and we were this small specialty company, you know, they couldn't give us the focus we needed. So I moved around, I I ended up moving off to a a large U.S. co-op and And they were they were a great home for a, a period of time, but again they were so big that uh, their ability to focus on on what we did wasn 't really there mm-hmm. so Then I went to a small uh, family owned business that had been in the malting side of the industry, supplying malt to the distillers and This was a spin off They had a little mill up in North Dakota, and the owner was an old friend uh, and um, you know from the days of being a malster. And so uh, it made sense for me to take my rye program uh, to his company, and wow. and that uh, you know, and then that lasted for about uh, six, seven years, and then it just was too much for his little company. So I ended up starting Brooks Grain. That
0: That's thing. amazing. So are you all farmers? And excuse my no, ignorance.
1: No, no. <laughs> we're, we're grain merchants. Um, we're grain merchants. We, <coughs> We buy the uh, the grain from some from farmers directly. Uh, a lot of it comes from companies that own grain elevators in areas of the of North America uh, that that uh, uh, are areas where rye is grown. And most of the rye is grown in the northern regions, Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota for the U.S. Is where most of what we bring in is from. Also, we bring quite a bit in from Canada, the northern prairies, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta. Um, There's some in the east that that does come down here from time to time from Ontario, Pennsylvania, and that area. But but most of it comes. And so we buy it. We move it then down to a facility here in in Louisville and one in Jeffersonville um, that are owned by our partners, Consolidated Grain and Barge. Okay. they, uh, they own the the elevator that's on 15th and Oak in West Louisville. Mm-hmm. And so anyone who may have driven over by, I I, I guess it's right across the street from St. Stephen's. Thank um, you. And in fact, they use our parking lot on the weekends. So uh, we, have a, we have a relationship with them and, and they've been great. Um, that's awesome. But it's this big old elevator that's been around. Parts of it are, are over 100 years old. And,
0: and, and it's absolutely beautiful. I I drive by there quite often okay. and yeah. so I've seen um, and it, it's always the reminder of that I need to get I need to get Erica on the show And I saw Brooksfield I was like I know that's
1: her I know <laughs> yeah. uh, that's right and well and the sign that you see with our name is on our new uh, mill that we built uh, two years ago um, mm-hmm. the industry has kind of morphed quite a bit over the years and um, in the last 10-15 years there's a new uh, craft distilling market that has really yeah. popped up and a lot of you know some of them are large like angels nd mm-hmm. and, and rabbit hole both of whom are customers of ours and uh but there's a lot of small uh little uh distilleries popping up all over the country and and many of them are small too small to take large quantities of grain that we would ship to most of the majors and, and some of the mid-sized distilleries in, in uh, grain trucks, hopper trucks. So they, they need it in bags, they need it in, in a one ton tote, something like that. Some of them needed ground uh, and ready to, to put into their mash. Mm-hmm. So we built the mill to be able to service that, that uh, market.
0: That market as well. How smart is that? Yeah, and
1: it's great. And it's fun. And some of these guys are great. You know, They all have a dream. Yeah. They all are, are excited and, and it's really fun to be able to help them, uh, you know, get it off the ground.
0: Get it off the ground and provide the services that they need. That is awesome. So whenever uh, we, right before we started the show today, I said, you know, Erica, I, I, we run a really, really easy show. We talk about like, who you are, what do you do? And then we get right into your failure report. And, you know, I, I am excited to hear you don't you're not this successful in business without ups and downs. You know what I mean? So oh, th- you know, so it's just been
1: plenty, So I'm I, so I, sure it's so, from <laughs> yeah,
0: Jesus. So what story will I tell today? You know, it's one of those things that we talk about how failures are the 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 catalyst to success. But you know, there's so many things that stand in our way or even help. Or not, not necessarily help, but cause failures to happen. So, you know, we talk about being a, a queer individual, being a woman, being in the now in the South or in the Midwestern South Southern region. You know, some of these things also, you know, lean into some of the failures that we have. That we have. So, I would love to hear your failure report.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because when when you first reached out, you know, and I thought to myself, gosh, you know. You know which of my major blunders is the the one that could really uh, you know kind of bridge from uh, failure to success? And I guess actually uh, it probably would be when I was working for uh, the, the the company that I, I did right before I started Brooks Grain. Mm-hmm. Um, I was as I had told you earlier. I was I had left the major co-op in 1999. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me and. Um, and I went to work for a company, Minnesota Grain. They had a, a, a mill in uh, East Grand Forks, Minnesota, right up on the North Dakota, Minnesota border, only about 100 miles from Canada. Oh, wow. So trust me, it wasn't a lot of fun in January or February. Um, i so sure. <laughs> now, fortunately, we, we worked in Minneapolis and would go to the plant. We never moved up there. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it was, and he had been in the industry supplying malt uh, for years, and that's where I had first met him 20, 30 years earlier, back in the mid to late 70s. And um, he, he and his brother had split the company in two, and he took the milling side of the business, his brother took the malting. And so uh, he had started this this company going forward and needed additional business to to really keep the business viable he needed to kind of expand a little bit so he knew our program he knew that I, you know i was in a situation where you know i was kind of stuck um and he approached me and said hey do you want to come work uh with me and 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 bring the rye program and i said sure so i did mm-hmm. and that uh it and it turned out to be a, a great move um that's when i had first really gotten involved with my current partners, cgb mm-hmm. because uh the, the owner of Minnesota Grain really didn't have the, the, the banking lines that could manage the, the size of inventory that we needed and everything else. Right. But CGB, who was providing the, um, the uh, facilities, the, they own the Oak Street elevator. Um, they had a financial arm and they said, look, we're, we're going to be holding the inventory in our facility. So we'll, we'll help finance it. So it was a win-win situation for us. But as as things went along, um, certain things happened in his other side of his business Mm -hmm. and things started to become a a little bit uh, difficult uh, for him to continue on. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the the failure as it would be was that I I didn't recognize uh, up front when I went to this small company that it ultimately could grow into a problem. And, yeah. and the problem was he, he was having difficulty in his main business and was it going to take my business down with it or what was going to happen and I, it, it led to a lot of sleepless nights sure. and um ultimately um he brought someone in who reorganized it they put my business separate and it became minnesota grain uh and um uh, or yeah minnesota grain marketing mm-hmm. and so it was me and CGB was financing everything, and we'd taken on a, a, a chunk of the debt that uh, the other company had, had incurred. And so, um, you know, all of a sudden I'm starting out behind the eight ball, but I'm still working for someone else. And eventually, after about a year, I thought, you know, this is really silly, you know, and, and, and I guess what I learned from that failure is that the best thing for me to do is take what I do and mm-hmm. the knowledge that I have. And knowing that I had a built-in partner in CGB because they, they really loved the business. It was a lot of grain that was going through their facility. Mm-hmm. Um, so they helped me start Brooks Grain and I worked out an arrangement with the person from Minnesota Grain and we split ways. So yeah. the failure was not recognizing, uh, you know, that I was, I was getting into a company that really couldn't support what I was doing. Right. Uh, and then I had to figure out how to, how to move on. And, yeah, and, and how to
0: get out yeah, of right. Yeah, it is so interesting because you know we we see business deals and opportunities as like all being good. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, this is so great because we we can merge what we do and they can do this, and and oftentimes you don't know if there's even a reason why that person's approaching you. You know, you may be saving them in the long run. You know what I mean? Or or for even the short. Well, and,
1: and one of the lessons I learned both from my father and from from a a number of the old timers and, and mentors that I had over my career is you really never learn from your successes. You learn from your failures because when you're successful, the assumption is, oh, okay, I know what I'm doing. And you just move on and probably have a few more bourbons and have a little more fun. And you don't really, really understand fully what's getting you there. It's when you, when you run into a problem, and in my industry, it's it's easy to happen because there's so many natural uh, occurrences that can that can uh, kind of turn the tide. You know, you can have a drought, you can have crop failure, you can have, you know, uh, natural disasters, things, sing, things, that can occur that you have no control over, and all of a sudden it flips your business from being you know just moving on, on autopilot to, you know, you have to jump in and make sure everything is covered. So, it it, it, it you'll learn from your failures. So I think you doing this kind of a, a program is really a smart thing to do.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for that, because we, we truly do. And our, our whole goal is to uh, listen to your failures, your mistakes, other individuals, and, and use that as a cautionary tale of, of what not to do, you know, especially whenever it comes to business. But, you know, I have, I have a question is, you know, you talked about the good old boy system, and you know, saying like, "Okay, how is this actually going to work?" But, you know, being someone that I followed you in your career for so long, and being someone that is such a proud, a, a proud um, member of the LGBTQ plus community, how have you found? working in that community being the individual that you are. I can only imagine that this is a very male-dominated industry um, and, and it has a lot of those setbacks that come along with that. How have you found working in that community? And
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, when I first started out, of course, back in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, that was in- incredibly true. Um, mm-hmm you know, not just the, the, the bourbon industry, but but the grain industry in general. I mean, there were very few people of color. Uh, there weren't a lot of women. Um, I, I was very lucky <coughs> to get to know um, a few of the pioneering women in the grain industry who were traders on the Minneapolis Grain Exchange floor, which is where mm-hmm. I started. And That's where I, you know, I, my dad was a member of the Grain Exchange from the late 50s uh, up until his retirement in 84. Uh, I became a member of the exchange in 78 and uh, I'd been in the summer. I worked in the sample room at the grain exchange and was a floor clerk. And, you know, I, so, I mean, I, I saw this, this very male dominated business slowly start to um, bring in talented people that didn't fit that mold. And, um, the, the distilling industry was was already going through uh, a lot of major changes in in bringing you know and there's still a long way to go but but um, um, when when I started Brooks Grain there was already one of the majors had a, a very strong and talented woman who was in charge of all their procurement wow. and so um, I, and I was pre transition at that point just mm-hmm. just at that, at that point in two thousand seven. Um, when I started the business shortly thereafter is when I came out and started my transition yeah. and um, you know the, the, the business that I do is is uh, most of it is annual you know i 'll make a contract with uh, one of our customers in the summer for the following year, crop year. Crop year runs from basically 1st uh, of September uh, through the end of uh, uh, August, and and so we'd make a contract.
0: I'm Dion Stokes, and I mindfully curated the Ambition Planner for ambitious women of faith like you. I am the CEO and founder of a Forensic Marketing Agency, the host of two podcasts. I've created a tech company, and I'm a wife. So needless to say, my schedule is ambitious. So I was looking for a planner that was going to be able to keep me spiritually grounded, I was looking for something to be able to provide a budget, you know, give me an hour by hour to-do list, in a culturally inclusive planner, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I took my disappointment and I channeled it into creating the Ambition Planner. they say in 21 days you can break a habit well in 90 days you can change your life the ambition planner is the only planner that provides you a space where you can focus on your short-term goals so that you can achieve your most ambitious dreams in addition to helping you to achieve your most ambitious goals we donate a percentage of every single planner sold to a female-founded nonprofit organization because we believe that when one woman levels up we all level up if you would like more information or to purchase an ambition planner, please visit our website at theambitionplanner.com and get ready to start on your next ambitious journey.
1: And then other than talking and making sure that everything was running smoothly, I didn't negotiate with them or really, you know, have to sit down with them. Um, you know, I usually did, but now that I had come out, you know, I had a little bit of time to try and figure out what the heck I was going to do.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, i and, just thought that um,
0: is very interesting. So I see you one year, and then I see you another year, and you've now transitioned. How was that walking into this? Well, those-
1: it, it actually occurred over a period of uh, two years. Um, when I first began my transition uh, in late 2007, uh, I, I came out to my family, and, mm-hmm. and my, my oldest child is my daughter Kara. And you know, she and I, when I came out to her, it was it was it was really a kind of a funny story. I I uh, I didn't know what to do. I, we had been estranged because I had divorced her mother um, a number of years before, and we just re- reconnected a couple of years earlier. She had just gotten out of college, and we be, we became close again. And I was really excited. So here I, I am thinking, okay, well, this is going to be great.
0: You know? Yeah, this is going to be great. <laughs>
1: could put uh, an end to this. Right. So I, I told her I needed to tell her something very, very important. And mm-hmm. she's, you're not sick. I said, no, 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 it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's fine. But uh, so we got together a couple days later for breakfast and uh, we're sitting in the parking lot and I, I, I start to tear up. And I, I said, I, I have to tell you that uh, I'm transgender. And she looked at me, she says, Jesus Christ, is that all? Oh you had cancer! I thought you were going to die. What the hell are you? God, you had me so scared. And I'm like, really? And she, she, she was. She said, "Look, I, you know, hey, at my age, do, do, do you think I care about you know whether you're a trans person or not? It, it, that has nothing to do with it. But don't ever scare me like that again."
0: Wow,
1: that is. I was, just, I was stunned and uh, and very pleased, and it touched my heart.
0: Absolutely, I can so, only imagine.
1: Yeah. So ultimately she she was asking the questions, you know, what are you going to do? You just started this business and, you know, and I said, well, I got about eight, nine months of contracts that are in place for me to figure it out. And it's not like there's a lot of precedent here, So um, it's it's kind of a a work in progress. And she offered to come to work for me. She'd just gotten out of college. She had a job. She'd been working for Ecolab for about a year and a half. And but it wasn't, you know, it was an early stage of her career. Sure. She said, hey, you know, it's you, you, you're you taking over the business that, you know, you did with grandpa, and, and now it's yours, and I'd love to carry it on in the family. That is so amazing. We came to work. We, came, we brought, uh, put together a plan to, to have her become the face of the business while I was transitioning, um, and then when when things were somewhat settled and, and moving forward, uh, I would I would come out to the whole industry, and um, it, it worked. I, you know, I mean, it's, it's a long story, but, uh, you know, short, the short version is it worked out. Everyone was very supportive. Wow. I wrote letters to every single customer personal letters. And, um, We we maintained the business. It grew. Uh, It grew so so well, and my daughter got so involved in the in the distilling side of it Mm -hmm. that she she jumped ship about three years ago and started her own little distillery down in Tennessee. Love it. So on the other side of the coin, and um, and my nephew now works for me. He he uh, again wanted to carry on his grandpa's footsteps. Mm -hmm. Had been in the grain industry for a number of years with a large grain company. So he came to work for me four years ago. And uh, so, you know, it's kind of a family business. And then we have a a young lady that we hired. Her name is Tori Doty, and she does our craft distilling side.
0: That's amazing. And so it it is so encouraging to hear that Ave, hey, your the, the story of your daughter it did make me tear up, but I'm also a sap because I'm like, oh, that is so beautiful. But it is I'm encouraging to hear that that wasn't the end of your story. You know what I mean? You hear so oftentimes individuals are like, I came out after my tra- after I finished transitioning and it didn't go well. You know, I lost business. No, and I, you know, I was really
1: it. lucky. I, you know, yeah. I I mean, I, I can't I I can't stress enough that my story isn't typical. And and. You know, I was fortunate in that I had a a very understanding family, a very close family that that didn't have deep rooted, you know, uh, prejudices or whatever uh, about about the LGBT community. You know, we grew up, my parents even, you know, we had friends that were gay and they were, you know, more than welcome in our house. And my parents, you know, were were extremely open hearted people yeah. and we all grew up that way. So that I was very fortunate that way with my family. Mm-hmm. And then with the business, I think, you know, we were successful or I had been successful for almost 40 years, well, 30 years at the time. And so, you know, because I'd been successful in a business that it, it really is all about, you know, pricing and, 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 and service and, and, and everything else and quality, that those are the most important things. And, and those are things that I've been providing. So, yeah. you know, I was I was lucky enough to do it. And, and then I had an attitude that, that this is my journey. That's it. Uh, I'm, I'm going on it and yeah. I'm asking all of these people to take the journey with me. Yeah. And it's, it's my responsibility to, to give them the tools and, and, and to help them take that journey with me because it's my journey, I'm asking them. I and know. I think with that attitude and with, with, with uh, you know, knowing that, that there are some people that would be uncomfortable with what was going on, you know, just, just helping people along and just having, having a heart and, and, uh, and giving back.
0: Yeah, that is amazing because I'm sure you've changed the minds and heartsets of so many individuals that are that are just like that. You're like, it's about the product, it's about the service. You had already achieved great success, you know what I mean? And now they say like, I'm actually working and can have a relationship. People that are prejudiced, you know, that I can have this same relationship with someone that I never thought I would be able to before. You know, I, yeah. unfortunately, we meet so many individuals that are on the other side of that coin that are like, I don't know if I could work in close quarters. I don't know how this would feel. I don't, you know. And so it's a, it's encouraging to hear your story, and I know that you are such an encouragement to so many in other individuals who, who are well, trans.
1: And, and there's, a, there's a wonderful organization, the NGLCC, National LGBT Chamber of Commerce, that, uh, that I had been involved with in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I became a member, uh, I certified my company at the time um, as, as an LGBT uh, certified business. Uh, which helped out my, my customers they could put us in their diverse supplier spend. And um, I got involved in the local uh, chapter up there, Quorum. And, and it was just a great networking opportunity. You got to know a lot of LGBT business owners, business um, uh, and people that work for allied businesses that were supportive. Their uh, employee research, resource groups were involved and everything like that. And when we came down here uh, in 2017, they didn't have a chapter.
0: Right, yeah, because I was wondering about
1: that. So I reached out to our friends in in Washington at the NGLCC and asked about it. And it turned out that there were two or three other people here locally that, that, that were making inquiries and really being, you know, with a lot of support from the city and everyone else, trying to figure out how to start a chapter. Well, fortunately, we all kind of got together and a group of us were able to launch Civitas Regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce in 2019. And it's, uh, you know, other than the fact that the last six or seven months, we really haven't had a lot of meetings or gatherings. We, we, you know, we do a little bit of stuff online. Uh, The NGLCC reaches out to the businesses. (coughs) <coughs> with online uh, so, uh, webinars, et cetera. And um, it's been great. You know, my, my business is no longer certified because, you know, we, we, we sold part of it to a, uh, CGB. It made sense. And, uh, but we're still supportive of, of all the LGBT businesses. And I'm on the board uh, of, of the uh, chamber and, and very involved.
0: Oh, that is amazing. And as, as an ally, it just warms, it warms me to know that there are so many diverse opportunities out there for individuals to be able to get involved, stay connected, and, and to really be able to grow their business, you know, because exactly. it, is, it is, you know, as, as, especially just as a black woman, knowing that it's so hard to break the ceiling, you know what I mean? So yeah.
1: well, just, and that's, that's the thing, the other thing is, and, and, and I, I recognize that because of the privilege I had before Mm-hmm. um and the success i'd had in in the business that that i had been doing for many many years you know i'd already i was already above that ceiling as it were and and so I, it it's incredibly important for me to help people who are trying and struggling to 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 break through whether they're lgbt whether they're women whether they're people of color whatever anywhere i can i can Help out. I, I, you know, I just feel I, I have a responsibility as a human being, and, um, and we all do. I mean, the only way you get rid of glass ceilings and and things like that is 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 to create a a, a society where everyone is 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 the same. You know, and there's no longer a, a you know, put them in this box, put them in that box, and. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, Erica, this is the fun part of today. We have a rapid-fire questionnaire. Normally, okay. whenever we're face-to-face, I have my little cue cards here. But, you know, COVID has distanced us in ways. But okay. it's been really great in others. But so I want you to, these are rapid-fire questions. So first things that come to mind. Describe yourself in three words.
1: Um, a big-hearted woman.
0: Yes, big hearted woman, morning or night person? Uh, Morning. Morning person. On a scale from one to 10, how cool are you? Uh, Nine. Nine, I I would give you a 10 plus plus. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite summer activity?
1: Uh, um, Meeting with friends uh, over a a cocktail at, at an outdoor event. Going to a concert uh, outdoors. Uh, yes. something
0: like that. Love that. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Where do you want to retire?
1: Um, actually, uh, I'm, I'm, it's changed over the years. Now that we're down here, uh, my wife and I really love Louisville, and to me, it's it's a it's a great place. Again, being from Minnesota where it can be 20, 30 below in the middle of the winter. When people (laughs) complain at 10 above here, we're like, are you kidding? This is not. (laughs) (laughs) So so I think we're gonna make this our hub. And uh, in in the heart of the winter, we may spend a month or two down south. And in the summer, we may go back up north. um, Okay, I love it. Retire here. You
0: retire here. Who do you most admire?
1: Boy, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a big good, one. Good um, you know, uh, if, if you, if you look at women, um, someone like Michelle Obama is, stands out as such a strong, strong woman. And she kind of reminds me of, 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 of some of the things that I've always strived to do. And that's just to be myself, even though I am different from mm-hmm. a lot of. People. And she just strives to be herself, yes, even though she is a, a woman of color. And, and there's people that may, you know, take swipes at her for that. Mm-hmm. But she just stands there proud and, 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 and she just, she's just a good, strong woman.
0: Yeah, I love that that's one thing I have to admire about you as well you you can when you when you walk into the space you can tell you stand above people you know not in a, in the a, in a literal way but just like I you have an air about you that's like I know who I am I love who I am I am here you can't tell me anything I love that about you so <laughs> I could see that being a great super not a superhero person that you would admire because you all do share a lot of those qualities Erica thank you so much for being on our show today yes. I so appreciate it and I know we had uh, we You know, she's busy. (laughs) So, getting in with this time was super special for me, and I don't take that for granted. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, where can we find you? Are you on Instagram, Facebook? How can we get some? Um, You're in Angels Envy, you're in Rabbit Hole Bourbon. So, we can taste
1: our Our business, our company website is brooksgrain.com. And um, Tori Doty, who is, uh, she's in her mid 20s and, and just a, a wonderful woman and, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in my mid 60s. So for me, social media is, you know, I'm on Facebook. Uh, yeah. I guess I am on Instagram. I have no idea how it works. Um, <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, But our website is uh, brooksgrain.com. Tori does uh, post quite a bit on Instagram. Uh, I was recently uh, uh, featured on Southern Glazer's new Served Up podcast. So that was was kind of fun. Um, And uh, you know, Civitas LGBTQ uh, is our uh, website for, uh, and I think it's .org. I can't tell you right off the top of my head, but uh, it's either .com or .org. Uh, is our um, Civitas uh, website and we're on Instagram. Spencer Jenkins, who's a local uh, person, is very involved in in managing our our, uh, communications for Civitas. and then personally, I'm, I'm, I'm just on Facebook mainly. Um,
0: awesome, awesome. Well, I'm going to make sure and link all of those in the description below because if you are a distiller, you're looking for any of grains, I love that you all do small batch so that we can definitely stay connected. So I will make sure and put all the links so that you can stay connected with Erica Field's yeah. in
1: below. Well, and one last thing about the distilling industry. I mean, we service everyone from uh, Brown Foreman, Jim Beam and Wild Turkey all the way down to the... The new ones that we mentioned earlier. Um, but in the craft space, it's been really fun because there's a lot of neat little new people popping up. Uh, I'd like to do a, a shout out to Moonshine You, who is a local organization here, and they have a distillers course that's amazing and a lot of the small distillers, whether it's cave over at Rabbit Hole, or, or, or um, Joe who started Copper and Kings, people like that went through their course and then started their distilleries. Wow. So I highly recommend if anyone's trying to uh, take a look at getting into the industry, that that would be a a great uh, place to start and talk to them about their courses.
0: I love that and that is awesome. so I will definitely be linking that in the description as well. So you are, you get you get some business knowledge, you got a great touching story, you may have teared up a little bit like I did, and then you get to level up uh, definitely. I will link that course in uh, in the description below. so anybody that is interested again, Erica, thank you so much you. for being thank on the show you. today. I yeah. so so appreciate
1: it. And I can hardly wait until COVID is over and we can sit down and have a cocktail. I want a brass. <laughs> there you go. We'll bring some more back down from Wisconsin. When I would there. love that. I would love All that.
0: Right. <laughs> thank you again, guys. Y'all have
1: a great day. All right, take care.
0: Thanks. Thank you to those who sponsored and supported this episode. And the biggest thank you to Sophia Mobley Photography and Videography for being the dopest producer, sound engineer, and editor in the land. Please like, share, and subscribe at The Failure Report on YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Watch, Instagram, IGTV, and on Twitter at Report Failure since The Failure Report was taken. You can listen on Spotify, iTunes, podcasts, or wherever you consume content. To get notifications on our upcoming episodes, please visit our website at thefailureport.org. There you can subscribe to become a fellow failure and get access to our blog and merchandise. You have things like mugs, t-shirts, notepads, you know, all the things. I'm Dion Stokes. Thanks so much for listening.